Uh, well, friends, uh, what a wonderful city we live in. Uh, I know the weather has been a, a little bit uh, unbearable lately, and uh, I know that housing prices are going through the roof, but uh, we really do live in a wonderful city, don't we? Uh, you just have to go down to the harbour and see the iconic view of the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge uh, to see just how beautiful a city we live in. Uh, people come from all over the world to see and experience the delights that this city has to offer. Uh, further, it's a prosperous city. Uh, it's a centre of commerce. And people come from all over the place to work and to live and build a life for themselves uh, in this city. It really is a wonderful city. Uh, now today uh, we are starting a new series on uh, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And uh, I want you to see that as we turn to the beginning of this book, uh, this book is really all about a city. But Isaiah turns our attention to a slightly different city. It's the city of Jerusalem. Uh, you can see it there in chapter 1, verse 1. If you have your Bibles open in front of you, uh, have a look at uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of Isaiah. It says there, uh, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And so you can see there that the whole 66 chapters of Isaiah is really a single vision or message from God. Uh, this vision has a particular historical context. Uh, we are told there that uh, this vision spans the rule of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, uh, who were four kings uh, in Judah, in the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, around about the 8th century BC. Uh, now, we'll learn more about these kings uh, as we go along, but uh, three of them were generally uh, fairly good kings, and uh, one of them was catastrophically evil. But the thing to notice here is that this vision of Isaiah is really all about the city of Jerusalem. Now, the thing about the city of Jerusalem was that it was God's city. Uh, it was the jewel in God's crown, if you like. It was the place where the people of God lived. It was the place where you could meet with God himself in the temple. It was the place where you could expect to see God's rule and blessing flowing to his people. Which is why the beginning of Isaiah comes to us as a bit of a shock. For the big message of this first chapter of Isaiah, at least, is that God's city of Jerusalem is a city that God has devoted to destruction. God himself will destroy his city. Why will God do this? Uh, well, you can see there that he is going to destroy this city because the people have rebelled against him. Uh, verse 2, they have rebelled against me. Verse 4, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. Verse 5, why will you continue to rebel? Notice also that in verse 2, God speaks not to Jerusalem directly, 
but he actually speaks to the heavens and the earth. It's a strange thing, isn't it? I think God does this because ultimately, in this book, he's not concerned just about the city of Jerusalem, but in actual fact, he's concerned about the whole world. But the point here, at least, is that Jerusalem will be destroyed because of her rebellion. Uh, The picture we get in verses 2 to 4 is of a child who has walked away from his parents. Uh, Many of us have young children, and uh, we know the challenges of uh, bringing up uh, children. Sleepless nights, uh, changing nappy after nappy, uh, feeding them food that they don't want to eat. You do this day after day for years and years, and then they grow up. And uh, I'm told that parenting becomes even harder because now it's not just a physical thing, but it's a mental thing as well. But imagine if one day your child comes to you and he says, I don't want to live at home anymore. Uh, I'm going to leave. Um, I'll write to you from time to time. Uh, In the first few weeks, your child writes to you, but then slowly the letters become more and more infrequent. After a while, they cease altogether. Your child does not want to know you. You see, friends, that's the problem with Jerusalem. For all their history, they have wandered away from God, and now they are a people who do not want to know God. You are more stupid than a donkey, says God, because at least the donkey knows its owner. But you, Jerusalem, you do not know me. Even though I created you, even though I rescued you, even though I cared for you. Now, the way Jerusalem rebels against God, as we will see more and more as we go through Isaiah, is by putting her trust in foreign nations. Uh, Politically, this was the time when, uh, towards the north of of Israel, uh, the nation of Assyria was becoming the new superpower. And what happens when uh, a new superpower arrives on the scene? Uh, The little, you know, nations around her become a little bit nervous. Uh, The great sin of Jerusalem, then, was that rather than trusting in God to protect them from Uh, foreign enemies like Assyria, well, they began to put their trust in other nations by by, uh, entering into alliances with them. You see, this was not just a political move, but it was a rejection of God. And so God sends the nation of Assyria to destroy the cities of Jerusalem and eventually to lay siege to the city of Jerusalem itself. That's why the picture we get of Jerusalem in verses 5 to 6 is of a battered body. Do you see it there? Verse 6. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. It's like Jerusalem has just gone 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. In verse 7, the cities surrounding Jerusalem have been pummeled, they've been destroyed. In verse 8, Jerusalem alone is standing like a tent in a vineyard or a little cabin in a field of cucumbers because the city itself is under judgment. It's under siege from the nation of Assyria. But friends, 
it's not just the political rebellion of Israel, of Jerusalem rather, that God takes issue with. For did you notice that in this passage, God is also fed up with the religious show of the people? Uh, You know, if you were in Jerusalem at this time, and uh, you wandered around the city, uh, taking you know tourist snaps of the city, uh, you would conclude that it was a pretty spiritual place. Uh, you would find a city that was actually doing many of the things that God himself had asked them to do. Uh, so, verse 11, for example, they were offering sacrifices in the temple. Verse 13, they were observing religious days like the Sabbath and the New Moon Festival. Uh, Verse 15, they were lifting their hands up in prayer. But although there was religious show, there was actually no religious substance. Oh yes, there was a, a religious exterior so that people looked religious on the outside, but deep inside lay a heart that did not care about God nor care about his ways and his concerns. Verse 16, they did not care about purity. Verse 17, good works and caring for the fatherless and the widow and those who are vulnerable in the city. And the chilling thing about this passage is that God says to these people who are all religious show that he is fed up with them. In verse 10, he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities, if you remember, which were devoted to destruction. He says in verse 11 that your sacrifices are meaningless. Verse 14, I hate your observance of religious days. In verse 15, when you pray to me, Don't expect me to listen. Uh, Friends, a while ago I had to uh, throw out some furniture because, well, it wasn't real furniture. Uh, It was a cheap set of drawers which uh, looked like it was made out of wood. But uh, if you have a look at the the chest of drawers, uh, it it just had a thin veneer uh, of fake wood uh, around the top. Uh, And uh, it looked good for a while, but in the end, it just fell apart and had to be thrown out. Uh, That's a bit like the city of Jerusalem. Just a thin veneer of religiosity on top. But no real substance to their relationship with God. And I think this is a warning to any city or any people who are all religious show and no substance. God is not fooled. In fact, he's fed up with this city. Do you and I come to church on a Sunday, but there is actually no God in the picture on the other days of the week? Do we make a religious show of things in public, but at home we are completely different people? Do we play the religious game but are greedy and have no heart for the poor 
whether that be physically or spiritually poor. Uh, Now, friends, uh, I found myself feeling quite guilty this week uh, as I read this passage, and uh, you might be feeling the same at the moment. Uh, Because if we are honest, I think we can all point to times when we have been more religious show than religious substance. Is that true? But I don't think the purpose of this part of God's word is necessarily to condemn us but rather to show us that if we belong to Christ, how gracious God has been in not treating us as we deserve. In fact, uh, you can see there that even though God judges Jerusalem through the nation of Assyria, uh, you can see there in verse 9 that he graciously leaves some survivors. Uh, Have a look with me at verse 9. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. You see, even though Jerusalem is judged, even though the inhabitants of Jerusalem, many of them are are slaughtered, well, God in his mercy leaves some survivors. And I think that's very similar to the Christian experience, isn't it? God has judged sin on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Judgment has fallen. But for us who trust in Jesus, we have survived the judgment. God has made us survivors. And so, as we look back, we are to say to ourselves, we should have died. But how gracious of God that he didn't destroy us. We should have been like Sodom. We should have been like Gomorrah. But how wonderful is our God who has left us as survivors. Well, finally, friends, uh, God says that he will destroy the city of Jerusalem because of their unfaithfulness. Uh, Verse 21 is, if you like, a summary of what Jerusalem is really like. And it's uh, unflattering language, isn't it? Uh, Do you see it there? She is described as a whore, as a harlot, as a prostitute, unfaithful to her husband. Uh, We are blessed this year to uh, have many people getting married uh, in our church. Uh, What a wonderful joy to, to uh, uh, to see this. And uh, some of these couples have spoken to me about the joy of, you know, setting up house together, uh, buying furniture together and a fridge for the kitchen and a television for the living room. It's kind of fun setting up house together. But imagine if you are a husband and uh, you come home one day after a long day at the office and uh, you get to the bedroom and uh, to your horror you see your wife doing the unspeakable, the unthinkable, with your neighbour. That kind of picture we get here. The people of Israel had made promises to God. Uh, I, I, Israel, take you to, you, God, to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, 
to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. Uh, God made promises to Israel on that day. But here you see the city of Jerusalem sleeping around with other men for money, wanting to find their security and stability and protection in the nations around them rather than the God who loved them and cared for them. Further, they were unfaithful to God by worshipping idols rather than the true and living God. Uh, You might have noticed in verse 29 that Isaiah uh, speaks about oaks and gardens. Uh, I think that's a reference to the fertility gods uh, of the nations around Israel uh, who were worshipping idols. And so it seems as though the people of Jerusalem themselves were worshipping these gods just like the other nations around them rather than being faithful to the God who had rescued them and cared for them. And so, because of their rebellion, because of their religious show, because of their unfaithfulness, God is going to bring the city of Jerusalem to destruction. The word therefore that you see there in verse 24 tells us what God is going to do as a result of the sin of Israel. Verse 24, he's going to completely destroy these people whom he now considers not his people but his enemies. Verse 25, he will thoroughly purge the evil from the city. Verse 28, he will break those who rebel and sin against him. Verse 31, he will utterly consume and burn the city. Good friends, did you also notice that God's plan is to build a new city, a new Jerusalem? And this city is actually the reverse of the old city which will be destroyed. It will be a city characterized not by unrighteousness, but righteousness. Not by unfaithfulness, but by faithfulness. You can see it there in verse 26. Uh, And I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. Now, I want you to see uh, just a few quick things here. Firstly, did you notice that God himself is going to build this new city? One of the things you notice in verses 24 to 31 is that the destruction of the old city and the building of the new city is all God's work. I will do it, says God. I will tear down the old city. I will build the new In our New Testament reading this morning from uh, Hebrews 11, we saw that the people of faith, like Abraham, were looking forward to a city whose designer and builder was God. That's the city that is being described here in Isaiah. Secondly, did you notice that this new city will come about through justice and righteousness? Uh, Now, we're not given a lot of detail here, but uh, as we go through the book of Isaiah, we will see that this points to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As Jesus died for us on the cross, the justice of God was satisfied 
he paid the penalty for sin on himself. And at the cross we see the righteousness of God as he dies for us and offers us salvation. Finally, can you see that those who belong in this new city are those who repent? It is only those who turn from their rebellion and surface religiosity and idolatry. It is those who repent who belong to this new city. And what a city it is. I don't know whether you notice, but the beginning of Isaiah moves from a description from the old city to the glorious new city that God is building. You can see the new city in chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the, Lord, uh, mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation, nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Now we don't have time to look at uh, all of uh, the detail of those five verses, but notice that in this city, there is no other God but the Lord himself. In the ancient world, people used to worship their false gods uh, on the mountains. But here, the mountain of the Lord is seen to be victorious over all the other mountains. There is only one God here. Further, notice that the people of God are eager to not only be taught by God and his word, but to actually walk in his paths. There is no surface religiosity here. Only people from every nation who are eager to know God and to obey him in their lives. And finally, notice that it will be a place of peace. Peace with God, peace with one another. Uh, when I was in Melbourne last year, uh, I visited a, a museum with uh, my family. And uh, this museum had a lot of information about the city of Melbourne. Uh, on one side of the wall uh, were all these black and white photos of uh, the city of Melbourne in the past. Uh, in fact, it had a lot of photos that were fairly dark. Uh, photos of the Depression years, uh, photos of notorious gangsters in Melbourne and notorious prostitutes and so forth. Uh, on the other side of the wall, however, were pictures of the future Melbourne. New buildings, new parks, new sporting facilities. Uh, it was actually a wonderful picture of what they thought uh, Melbourne would look like in the future. Uh, the opening of Isaiah is a little bit like that. It begins with a picture of the rebellious city of Jerusalem that is devoted to destruction, and it ends with a picture of the glorious new city of God, a city that God himself is building. 
And I just want to end with a few implications. Uh, firstly, do you belong to this new Jerusalem that God is building? Or are you still living in rebellion against God? The book of Isaiah is a warning for all those who live in rebellious Jerusalem. Because what it says is that rebels who live in the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. Make no mistake. But it is only those who repent and turn back to God who can belong to the new city, a city of joy and peace. And so if you are here this morning and you have never turned back to God and asked him for forgiveness and expressed to him that you want to live his way, then why don't you do that today? Come and belong to the new city that God is building. Secondly, if you have repented and you know that you belong to this new city, are you living as a citizen of this city now? As I mentioned before, uh, Israel's great sin was in turning away from God by seeking security in other things, foreign nations and their gods. What are the things that we seek security in that regularly turn us away from God? What are those things for you as well as for me? I think our greatest idolatry is money, whether we admit it or not. But for some of us, it could be that we seek security in career or achievement or the idea of marriage or sex or our body image or a particular lifestyle that we want to pursue. These things can often take our attention away from God and his concerns and become our idols. But whatever it might be, let's put these things behind and live as citizens of this glorious new Jerusalem that God is building. Let's pray.